sermon today is don't lose sight. And uh, before I get started, though, uh, tonight's my last night on the uh, on the study called Big Mistakes. Um, it's, it's about teaching how to study the Bible. And tonight will be my my third my last thing on this one. There, I'm gonna if you come tonight, I'd like for y'all to come tonight as many as you can. I'll give you some tools and and talk it, show you and talk you through it. And there's been a lot of people uh, been in the class, and they're going to help you learn what they've learned so far. And if you're uh, if you struggle studying the Bible or don't quite understand how to go about it, this is a class that you belong in. And uh, tonight's class will just be an hour long, and uh, you'll learn enough tonight to get you started and get you going on it. So you're welcome at 6 o'clock tonight. Everybody have a good week? Amen. Yeah. Um, I think I'll start with this sermon with the, with the parents, and then we'll kind of change directions a little bit. Uh, there's a Psalm 116, verse 16 is a, is a Psalm I want you to stand and read in a second, but we're going to be talking about King David today uh, in First uh, Samuel chapter 24 when David's in a cave and Saul comes in, and some of you know this history of this and some of you do not, but uh, I want to show you what uh, some grace and mercy, and I want to show you how Satan works with temptation. How he always, always there trying to destroy what, uh, what God is wanting to do. And uh, David is still a young man. He's not king yet. But he knows he's been uh, uh, anointed king by Samuel. And uh, Saul, which is king of Israel, has been chasing him periodically throughout the countryside trying to kill him. Along with a few of David's men. And uh, David is on the run. Uh, even though that uh, he's killed Goliath, he's... Uh, won many battles with Saul, and the, and the people just loved David. Uh, but Saul is very jealous of David and uh, knows that the, his kingdom is threatened by David. And he will do anything he can to hold on to something that doesn't really belong to him any longer. And so that's where we're, we're going to start out at. But first of all, when I started uh, praying over this a lot, it, it came to my heart that David being such a young man, how many parents do we have here with children under, uh, let's say, 12? Wow, that's a bunch. And, uh, would you all stand for a minute, you parents with kids under 12? And the reason I, I picked that age was because what I want to talk to you about just for a couple minutes is it is very important that children under that age, if, if they see their parents have, have lost sight of God, they're going to know it. You're not going to fool them. They're going to know it. And as they grow up, they're going to be curious of what happened to mom or dad and, and how come we went to Sunday school to, for a while and then we didn't go. And, and it, it's, it's going it's to mess with them. Uh, it is important that you parents don't lose sight of God. I wrote a couple things down this morning. And, uh, how important God is to the parent will be how important God is to the child at that young age. If God is just a, a something you do on Sunday mornings and, and there's no, there's no uh, Bible studies or prayer time throughout the week, then God is just a, a part-time God. He's like a Santa Claus to your kid. And uh, you pray for something you want. Uh, and and that's, that's, that's kind of what the, your child is until he gets older to decide for himself is kind of where he's at. So for parents, and we're full of parents, we're full of young children in this church, it's so important that you don't lose sight of God that you don't lose sight of the calling that God's given you. And if you're a parent with a young child, one of your most precious gifts is to teach your child about knowing Jesus, is to teach him the word of God. 
Because we all know as, as they come up in their age and teenagers, especially in the society we live in, there's a strong influence to leave the church. And your, your, your children may do that for, for a period of time. They may not. But if you have given them everything that you possibly can through the word of God, if some of you would take your kids to BSF, and that is a wonderful thing. I just love it when kids go to BSF. Bible study fellowship, well, you all know that. It's a wonderful tool that you can give your children because they're going to need it. In Psalms 116, can you put that up there for me, John? Or do I have it here? Yeah. Oh, Lord, truly I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant, which will be your mother. You have loosened my bonds. And I want all the parents to read this for me. Everybody say, oh, Lord. You can sit down, please. It's important that you know that your child is watching you in everything you do. And I know I'm just repeating the things you already know, but this is coming from, from a, a time of prayer, and God wanted me to warn you and, and encourage you to stay close to your children. Teach them the Word of God. David's parents... Jesse was his dad. They were wonderful people of God. You can see that. Samuel knew to go to David to anoint, uh, go to Jesse, which is David's dad, to, to anoint David king. He didn't know who was going to be king, but he had several sons, seven. And he was going to anoint one of them king because that's where God had directed him. So later on in life, when, the, when David's probably in his 20s, he's going to be tempted very, very very passionately tempted to take something that look, can look like that God is putting it in your lap. But yet because he was raised by godly parents and he knew the word of God, he did not fall for the temptations of Satan and he stayed close to God's word and truth and he fulfilled the plan that God had for him. Now if he would have messed up in this cave, it would have gone a completely different direction that God had ever planned for him. But because of his parents, and I believe his parents were so wonderfully parents of God. And David grew from that. And that was his background, because he's in his 20s. And that was his background. He had a heart like God. But that background, that what he grew up with, with the, with the, with the hearing about Elijah and, and hearing about all kinds of Moses and, and Abraham and, and learning about the word of God through his parents, helped him in these rough times in his life. Does that make sense to y'all? Somebody say something. All right. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to you this morning, Father, I thank you for this message. That, uh, and Father, it is so... Um, it is so easily... We're so easily distracted that we can lose sight of the plan that you have put in front of us. And Lord, we... Uh, uh, it seems like it, we can fall for temptation. And sometimes it's just laziness that we fall for temptation. And sometimes it's because we, we don't know enough about your word. And Father, I'm asking you to help these parents here. That they will take your word seriously in their house. That they will implant it in their children's heart. That as those children grow up, they will be powerful 
warriors for you. Lord, would you give us a word this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, all right, all right. I, I just had to get that out. Is that all right? Don't let the size of your situations, and David's situation was a huge situation. Don't let the size of your situation have has nothing to do with the Lord's plan and protection over your life, over you. The size of your situations has nothing to do with the Lord's plan and protection over you. Some of you got, you, we deal with a lot of different aspects in our life. I, I, people call me and, they, and they, they've got all kinds of issues. And I hear from one extreme to the other. And it's all, it's all fine. I don't mind it at all. It's all good. But you always got to understand, Lord, the Lord has a plan for you. If you belong to Jesus Christ, he has a wonderful plan for you. And the way we get through this life is to learn the Word of God and stay close to the Word of God. We don't float around like a, like a sea out there floating on a, on a raft running out of air. We stay close to the Word of God, and when the things come up, we can get past them, then we can be encouraged through them. David had a situation that, that would, uh, I, I, as I thought about it, the situation he's in, in in this cave, how easy, easily it would have been just to take advantage of it. And nobody would have, would have said anything about it. They would have said, yeah, that's the way it should be. But not so much. It's not what God's saying. So the size of your situation has nothing to do with the Lord's plan and protection over you. In 1 Samuel 24, 1 and 2, now it happened. When Saul had returned from following the Philistines, Saul's out the battle, that's what they did a lot, that it was told to him, saying, take note, David is in the wilderness Evigeti, I don't know how to pronounce that, but that sounds close enough. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men. Let me stop them here. He's taken 3,000 chosen men. Cho- they put really chosen there. It would be like taking the, uh, uh, the Rangers and the Green Berets and the Navy Seals and putting them together and taking them out to find David. This is not a, a little uh, skip in the, in the desert here. This is something very passionate that Saul wants to do. He wants to destroy David. He, he knows that he's wrong. He knows that, but it doesn't matter. His pride, his, his position is overpowering anything that God is wanting to do in his life. So he told him, take note, David is in the wilderness. If he get it, then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. I'm not sure what the wild goats are, but that's uh, giving us a description. Saul's going to leave family, going to leave the, after he just got down with one battle, he's going back to another. It's, he's not taking time off. It's important to what he's doing. And what I'm trying to do is draw you a picture of how, how serious a time this is. Don't lose sight. Please, don't lose sight of what God's doing in your life, what he wants to do in your life. Some of you are brand new Christians, and it's so easy to lose this sight. But I'm telling, like I tell everybody, stay in church. Stay the course. Do not let the world drag you out. Stay the course, and you're going to be all right. The easy way out may not be God's plan at all. We can look at a situation and say, well, this just kind of makes sense. But if you're looking at it out of the perspective of God's word and in the perspective of your, of your laziness and what you want, then maybe it doesn't make any sense at all. And that's why it's so important to raise your children to know God's word. And if, if you're adults now and you're learning God's word, it's important that you dig in 
and learn it to live your life according to it. The easy way out may not be God's plan at all. But Satan's temptation to lose your sight. So it came to, to the sheepfolds by the road. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave. Now, there were a lot of caves in this area. So uh, I don't believe in coincidences. I quit believing in coincidences many, many years ago. I believe that when God's got something going on or somebody's in front of me, it's not a coincidence. It's, it's, it's a time that God has given me an opportunity to speak to them about God. I just don't believe in coincidences. I just don't. I believe that God is so, so much in control. I, I believe that everything he does, either we can join him or not. And we can look for the glory in all of it. So in all these areas, David's not got a whole bunch of men with him. And they're, they're going to they're crowd back into the back of the cave trying to hide from Saul. I'm sure they see the dust and, and the sound of the horses and the chariots coming. And so Saul picks out this one particular cave, which I know there's more caves in the area. Right there, that tells you that God's in control of this. If God puts something in front of you, you don't have to guess that it's there for some weird reason. God put it there. Amen? He put it there. And if it goes through God's hands, it's okay with me. If God knows all about it and it goes through it, it's okay with me. And Saul went into, into a tip to, Saul went in to attend to his needs. In other words, he had to go to the restroom. And David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave, so they were in the back. I can imagine they're just scared to death. They've got the Navy SEALs, the, Tex, the, uh, the, the Army Rangers, and, and the Green, and all of them are coming after them. They see this great war, and they're thinking, okay, this is it. We're done. This is our last stand. So they're going to get back here, and they're going to hide. And then all of a sudden, the king of Israel, the one that is seeking their lives, this is serious business, he's seeking to kill them, walks in, pulls his trousers down or his robe up, and squats down. And they're all saying, what? This, how can this be? How can this, how can this be? Oh, what an opportunity. He's by himself. What an opportunity. David, you're going to be king today. In verse 4, then the men of David said to him, This is the day which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. That's temptation, my friends. Satan's always involved. Whenever God's involved with something, Satan's always involved. He's always trying to turn the word of God into something that it's not. He's always trying to, to tempt you to do something that God has not got planned for you. And if you don't know the word of God, if you don't know the, the Psalms and the Proverbs and, and the Old Testament and the New Testament, then you'll fall for these things. And we learn from those falls. There's no doubt about that. But sooner or later, we've got to quit falling. And start to understand that we need to know the word of God. What David cut off was a, if you go to Numbers chapter 15, chapter 15 you'll read about it. It was like a tassel. And back then what they would do is they would take this tassel and they would take a, a blue cord and they would tie knots around it, several knots. And the knots reminded them of the commandments of God. 
and that tassel would have been sewed onto the side of the robe, and it was always with them. So they always were reminded about God. Now, Saul had that on, so he was claiming that he knew God, only he was in the wrong understanding of God. A lot of us need a reminder about God, don't we? Well, what David did, he went up there, and he wasn't going to kill him, didn't want to kill him, and he cut that tassel off. At least that's what I believe it was, the corner of his robe, and that's where that would have been hanging. And he goes back to his men. And David arose and secretly cut off the corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. You say, well, that really doesn't seem like a big, big thing, cutting off the, the side of Saul's robe, but we can see the heart of David, and we can see the, the heart that we should have. That it troubled David that he would even start to, to touch God's anointed king. Even though David was anointed king by Samuel, and he knew it. But he also knew that God would take care of him. And he didn't have to, to go and try to take care of the situation himself. A lot of us, we, we, we want to do that, don't we? We, we want to get involved with every part and aspect of our life and think we can control it by taking power over it when we need to be sitting back and watching God do that. Amen? You need to watch God take control of things. Sometimes we just may not be right. I'm not sure would like to let God show me than me go out in front of God and continue to mess up my life. And David arose and secretly cut off the corner of Saul's robe in verse 5. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And in 6 it says, And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master. He calls him master. He gives him respect and honor. The man that's trying to kill him, the, the, the enemy. He calls him master. And he recognized what he did was not of God thank the Lord for godly parents because I'm telling you he needed those godly parents right then that he understood the word of God the truth of God his theology was right you know we look at sometimes and I can open this door over here and I can open it swing open we'll look here well there's an open door let's just go right on through it God has opened the door for me and that's you could look at this and say well God just opened the door for David no he didn't Satan had a lot to do with that not God You've got to be able to determine that in your life. Seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. Now let me see, the temptation part. David most likely could have killed Saul. The men in the back of the cave would have rejoiced. And all the chosen soldiers out front would have most likely bowed down to David. Because most people knew that David was supposed to be king. They were following their king. But most likely they would have bowed down to David. What, what a temptation. That you could become king of Israel right now. You can take what you know God wants you to have right now. You can go out and command all these soldiers to turn around and go back into Israel and everybody just throw out the, the checkered flags, whatever it is, and just have a wonderful time. Get all your stuff together, become the rich and famous, everything at one time. But David did not choose that path. He didn't choose the lazy man's path or, or the person that didn't know God. He chose God's path. Amen? 
Every time you see something that looks like that's exactly where you should go, you need to pray over that. Don't rush into it. Well, I, I, this, this, this thing that God, this, this mission that God's got me on, I think it's exactly where I need to go. Don't rush into it. Spend time with God. Make sure everything lines up with the word of God. And if it doesn't line up with the word of God, it is not from God. Amen? God says, thou shalt not kill. If David would have killed him, would it have been murder? It wouldn't have been in combat. It would have been a murder. And I know that's exactly, God says, don't do that. David knew it. You say, well, that's his enemy. Sure, it's his enemy. But that's not the way you do it. There was an atheist. I read a story here. It's going to change directions for one second. An atheist. And he went to this <clears throat> big auditorium. And the balcony ab above was full of people. And, the, and it had a, 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 the, the audience down here in the lower part was just, it was all just completely full. It was hundreds of people that came to listen to this atheist. And he was up on the podium and up on the stage and the podium and he was talking about how he could, there was no God and there was no heaven and there was no hell and there was nothing like that. He used everything he could throw at these people. And as the story goes, they just sat there quietly. And when he was done with all his rhetoric, what's the right word? Huh? Red, somebody give me that word. There you go. Rhetoric. When he was done with all his, all his talking, he dared him. He said, I would dare any of you to stand up and rebuke me. And all these hundreds of people, it was just completely silent at the time. And finally, as the story goes, there was one young girl, about 16 years old. And she stood up, up in the balcony, up in the corner of the balcony, and stood, stood up and started singing, I stand for Jesus. And she just kept that, I don't know how that tune goes, but I stand for Jesus. And she kept that melody going. And it says, before, before you knew it, the people all across the balcony were standing up singing about Jesus. Now, they all came to hear an atheist. And in no time at all, the people down below started to stand up one time, one person after next, all singing about Jesus Christ. I stand for Jesus. I stand for Jesus. And as they all stood, they looked up on the stage, and the atheist had fled. What a powerful story. See, if we just stand for Jesus, and we continue to focus on Jesus, and we don't lose sight of Jesus, no matter what, what situation we're in, no matter what auditorium we're in, no matter what's going on, stand for Jesus. Amen? Don't lose sight of Jesus. Now, David's going to... I want to find the spiritual aspects of this, and David is going to show grace and mercy to Saul. He could have killed him. They could have justified it. But he's going to show grace and mercy. Isn't that what Jesus shows us? Grace and mercy? And right here in this cave, because David knew he couldn't take God's plan out of God's hands, he, he had to leave it in God's hands. No matter what the circumstance, no matter what took place, he had to leave it in God's hands. The sermon is far more important than others' opinions. Amen? Others' opinions may have you doing all kinds of things, but be able to understand and discern God's word is far more important. 
You must never go along to get along. That young girl in that crowd that time, she never went along. She stood up on her own. I can imagine in great fear because an atheist at this spoke, and as far as she knows, everybody's an atheist. But she stood up on her own, and she started singing about Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. When you glorify Jesus, the Holy Spirit will empower you, and <clears throat> Satan will flee. Amen? He's not going to hang around where Jesus is at. I've told you many times that if you're in areas and people are wanting to talk filth and do this, that, and the other, all you got to do is start talking about Jesus, and they will leave or they will stay. And most of them will leave, and the ones that stay, you've got your audience. Amen? You're at work and things are going crazy, just talk about Jesus. Just sing a song about Jesus. Just sing. Y'all know songs. Go home and find a song that relates to you and your child parents and teach them that song. We're trying to teach the kids psalms in this church, and next week we'll be teaching them psalms one. They'll be up here giving it out with all their heart. And every so often we'll bring them up here three or four times a year and give them another psalm and another psalm. They've already learned one other one this year. Just teach them the word of God. If it's just a verse, if it's John 3, 16, just teach them and then sing with them. Praise Jesus, amen. This country and this world needs your children to know Jesus. And your main goal in life is to give them Jesus. Amen? Discernment is far more important than others' opinions. I don't care what other people think. That's not my problem. That's, that's their issue. Let, let them have their issue. I don't care. And I don't want to go along to get along. I'm not worried about being politically correct. I'm not worried about being tolerant. I'm worried about the word of God giving the truth out that people can live in eternal. It's mercy and grace, my friends. Don't lose sight by letting the circumstances eclipse the one in control of the situation. Don't lose sight by letting the circumstance eclipse the one in control of the situation. If you let that, whatever's going on, if you let that, that black shadow come over it and eclipse the word of God, then that circumstance is in control of your life and not God. And that doesn't need to happen in this lesson here. We got it. In verse 7, so David restrained his servants. In other words, he said, you're not killing him. I know our lives are at stake. I know our lives are at stake, but you're not doing it. If this is where God chooses us to stand, this is where we'll stand, but we'll not murder. We will not do this. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. Now that tells you something right there about who David is. Because his men could have overpowered David. We don't know how many there was there at that time, but there were probably several. They could have overpowered David and said, we're not listening to you, man. We're not going to die today. If they find out we're here, they find our horses, they find anything, they're coming in. I'm not, we're not going to do this. David had respect among his men, amen? You know why he had respect? Because he followed God correctly and firmly with fortitude. Amen? And he gained the respect from his men. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. Godly discernment can never be replaced with worldly thoughts and actions. Now the worldly thoughts and action was to take advantage of the situation. God must have put it in his hand, the door's open, take advantage of the situation. That's, that's the worldly thoughts. But it's not God's thoughts. It's not God's plan. 
And David also arose afterward, went out, into, went out of the cave. And so David is going even further. Man, he just says, God, you're in control of every aspect of my life. And I'm going to go out here. I see the soldiers. I see, so I see it. But I also know who you are in my life. And this situation is not going to control my life. You are. Wow, that tells you a lot, doesn't it? And called out to Saul. I mean, he wanted to make sure Saul knew he was up there. My Lord, look at there, he calls him my Lord, the king. He respects Saul. He doesn't belittle Saul. He doesn't trample his name. He doesn't say, I could have killed you, but I didn't. In sarcastic ways. He respects him. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed down. In other words, he got on all his knees or all, all completely down. And he bowed down to this king that's looking to kill him. In verse 9, And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men? And I can say that to a lot of you. Why do you listen to the words of men? When you should be listening to the words of God. Saul was very easily influenced. There is a clear difference between the man of God, David, and the man of the world, Saul. Do you see it here? Now David just showed Saul mercy and grace, and he's going to explain it to him. And David said, why do you listen to the words of men who say, who say indeed David seeks you harm? Now we know that's lies, right? And David's going to prove to him it's lies. He just proved it to him. Look, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you into my hand in the cave, and someone urged me to kill you, but my eye spared you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. And I'm not going to go any further with that today, but... David took everything that he knew about God, and one of the hardest situations you can face in your life, your, your life, your physical life could be ended. And he allowed God to do what God wanted to do. You need to take everything about your life, no matter what it looks like, no matter addiction, no matter what it is, no matter what it is. And you need to take the, some of us got, we got thoughts in our minds that don't line up with God. Our theology is not lining up with the Word of God. Your ideology is off. And when your ideology is off, your theology will be off. Does that make sense to y'all? They both have got to be firm in the Word of God. And the first thing you've got to be is able to be taught the Word of God. If you're not willing to be taught the Word of God, you're never going to learn the Word of God the correct way because you already know it all. You've got to be willing to be taught. Take your life and learn the word of God. Amen? It's not about one day or one hour. It's about a life plan that God has for you. And every day we get up and we can read the word of God and we can see the scriptures from God and say, that's me, that's me. Am I being David today or am I being Saul today? What's my life about today? What temptations are you falling for? 
David showed mercy and grace in the, in the cave. And I believe mercy and grace is what we need to show. Amen? I got you a short sermon today. Everybody say amen. <laughs> it don't happen very often. Challenge for the week. Don't lose sight. Brooke, come on up. Don't lose sight of God by allowing the situation to control your discernment about God. Amen? Listen to this now. Don't lose sight of God by allowing the situation you have found yourself in to control your discernment about God. Satan is counting on you losing your focus on God. He's counting on you to lose sight of God. Parents, he's counting on you to mess up, that your kids will get messed up, and the world will continue to collapse. He's counting on it. And he's going to do everything he can to make sure that happens. And as a parent, you have got to prepare yourself and prepare your children. And as a pastor, it's my job to encourage you and warn you at the same time, to encourage you that you can love God with all you've got and live in this world. Amen? You can love God with everything you've got and go to work every day. You can love God with everything you have and go to your family's functions, even though your family may not be on the same path that you are, and love them, show them mercy and grace. And one of the words, watch your words with people. People judge us by our words. Be kind, be sweet, be nice, but be strict. Be forward with the word of God. Be bold with the word of God. Do not bow down to, in, to the things of this world. As that one girl stood that day and started singing about Jesus, she never bowed down to the Satan upon the stage. She rised up. And pretty soon everybody followed. That's what you need to be. Don't fall in for the temptations of Satan. Look for God's plan in your life. Let's stand. I have, this la Oops. I have this laser up here, if it still works. Oh, it does. Man, you're hot. You're 78 degrees. It, I'm not worried about that so much, but just a laser. Parents, see that? It, it's, it's going to point wherever I point it. Sorry, Austin, I'm right on you there. It's, it's right there. That's the way you need to be with God and your children. You need to have your laser vision on the Word of God. And you need to keep your eyes on your children. Because this world will try its best to influence them and pull them away. But if your discernment is correct about God, if you're in the Word of God, He's going to allow you to see these things you've never been able to see before. He's going to allow you to hear words that your children are saying that, that, that throw off signs in your mind and your heart and says, wait a minute, there's something not right about my child. There's a word they just use that they don't usually use. Something's wrong. The Holy Spirit will help you raise your children. But you've got to be laser focused. Amen? It's important, isn't it? Isn't it important to raise your children right? What would happen if David was not raised right? He said, well, God had complete control of that. Well, one of the things God had control of was David's parents to make sure David learned God. Now, I don't know, I don't know what Alex is going to be one day. 
Eric. I don't know what he's going to be, but I know you and Jacqueline are great parents. Now, wouldn't it be something if Alex was going to be president someday and God gave you guys the, the understanding and the love of God to make sure it was implanted in his life to raise him up that way? None of us know. None of us know. Joshua's got a brand new little baby boy down there, don't you? You don't know what his future is, do you? But you know one thing, God has got you right here to give him the word of truth. What if he's going to be a, a congressman or a mayor or a school teacher or a professor? Isn't this age right here? Isn't this where you influence your children and they learn? We are so blessed to have so many young children in this church. Parents, don't fall for the temptations that you see that Satan throws out. Don't do it. Your children are watching. I never understood why my mom and dad quit going to church years after I was grown up. They had trouble in one church and they went to another church. I, I, never, I never quite understood that. And I still don't understand it to this day. I don't understand why I grew up in church then quit going to church and all of a sudden here I'm back and I'm a pastor. But I was, my parents focused me on the Word of God. Amen? And God had a plan for me, even knowing He knew I would turn away from Him for a while. But He still had a plan, and He used my parents to get me where I'm at. Cheyenne, you've got a beautiful son. You just found out he's not going to have to have heart surgery again. Stay focused. Don't lose sight of where God's got you. I can go around the room and say the same thing. And grandparents, you also. Sometimes God has given grandparents to pick up the slack for their kids. You grandparents, stay focused. Keep an eye on your grandkids. I do. Vicki does, I'll tell you that. She sees something going on with one of them kids, she'll be in Brad's ear just like that. Pray for your children. Pray for their friends, the ones they don't even have yet. Pray, parents, pray. And teach them the Word of God. If you know Jesus Christ, if He is your personal Savior, if He is your Lord, your King, then you're welcome at these tables today. If you don't know Him, then you can know Him. You can get focused. You can get on the, the right page with God. You don't ever have to lose sight. What breaks my heart more than anything is the Christians that ride on a roller coaster. It's a zoom, 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 and I don't understand that. I love the hills and, and coming down there fun on a regular roller coaster, but life, it's not much fun. I can watch people go up that roller coaster, and they're, they're doing just good. Oh, boy, they're in church. They're doing good. They're on that one that's about, what, 60 feet up or 150. I don't know how tall they are. Some of them are straight up, and I mean, they're just giving it all they got. I ride that drag racer up there, Cedar Point, that drag. It's just straight up, and boy, is it fast. And they're just giving it all they got to get to the top. I mean, climbing and giving it all, Lord, I love you. And they get to the top, and poof, they drop so fast because they lost sight of what God was doing in their life. And Satan's temptations moved in. If you need to get a, something in your pocket, a rock or, or something, and just write God on it. I don't care what it is, something. This is what they did. Why did the men of God, Israel, do this? They needed reminded of God. It's in Numbers 15. They needed reminded of God. We do too.
We've got the Word of God. We've got it right here. It's on my phone in several different versions. Love the Lord with all your heart. Love your children. Love your wonderful life that God's given you. Enjoy the Lord. Amen? Enjoy your lives. Enjoy them with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't know him as your personal Savior, you can know him today. David showed mercy and grace in that cave, and Jesus Christ showed his mercy and grace on that cross. You can have it. The only thing holding you back is you. Come, enjoy the Lord today.